podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 54 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast. Where this week, I'm delighted to say we're, we're crossing the pond and bringing in one of our fellow blues from uh, from America, and that's Jeff Warner. Jeff, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's a bit late over here with ta- times getting on. It's nearly past our bedtimes, but uh, it's not not a not bad time for yourself over over where you are. Yeah, it's about uh, four thirty in uh, the afternoon, so not too bad. And just to give uh, listeners a bit, a bit of background, obviously you are involved in media yourself, Jeff, and we spoke off there about how you, how you got involved with, with following Everton. And ju- just give people a, a bit of background in that, because obviously it's uh, we, we've got quite a, a decent following, haven't we, over, over in America? Uh, we see numerous supporters, clubs, and obviously the, the, the American Toffees podcast do really well as well. Um, how did support and Everton come about for yourself? Well, I am a, a sports journalist. I've been doing it for 26 years, uh, covering uh, mostly uh, baseball, American football, and college basketball. Um, I also do cover our uh, MLS team, uh, FC Cincinnati, which was an expansion franchise uh, last year. Um, and maybe it's because I'm a journalist that I maybe took my uh, my search for a Premier League club maybe more seriously than, than a lot of people. But uh, it's more just kind of my nature. Um, I wanted something meaningful. I didn't want to just choose a club, buy a kit, and have somebody to uh, to cheer for on Saturdays. Um, and I was familiar with Everton uh, because of Tim Howard and because of Landon Donovan. Um, I didn't want to choose a club because they had American players. Uh, I wanted to choose an English football club for the right reasons and not just because of that, even though I love Tim Howard and I love Landon Donovan. Um, but... I kind of wanted to learn more about the history of English football. So I just did a lot of Google searches and I found uh, information on the original football league of 1888 and, and saw that Everton was one of those clubs and it kind of jumped off the page and said, Hey, I, I know who Everton is. So um, kind of started to learn a little bit about Everton and uh, it, it's kind of funny. I uh, had a friend here, a longtime friend who I knew was from England. I didn't know he was from Liverpool and I had no idea that he was, uh, a lifelong Evertonian uh, until he caught wind of my search for a premier club. And he said, let's, let's go out for a couple of pints and let's have a chat. So we did. And he told me story after story about uh, his family and friends and going to the matches at Goodison and what Everton meant uh, to him and his family and stories about uh, his, a friend who didn't own anything red and a story about a friend who wouldn't leave the house uh, when if Everton lost, he wouldn't leave the house for a day or two. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a club that people cared about. And I wanted a club that when they win, it's the greatest thing to happen. And if they lose, it, it ruins their week. Um, I wanted something meaningful. And But I've told the story so many times. The thing that's kind of interesting to me is that we talk about being chosen, right? Um, as an American, of course, I I wasn't born into this. Uh, I did choose my club, but it's amazing how once you, once you commit to being an Evertonian and you've chosen that club, 
it's amazing how quickly you feel like you you were the one who was chosen because of the way the fans kind of gravitate towards you and how they kind of bring you into the family. Um, my wife joked recently, she said, this Everton thing is kind of like a cult. <laughs> I said, you know, that's not untrue. It is kind of like a cult. But um, but no, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect to fly 4,000 miles to see the club play. I didn't expect to all of a sudden have friends in Liverpool and other parts of England and Dublin, Ireland and other parts of the U.S., people that I would have never met had it not been for Everton. Um, this club has become a big part of my life and I didn't expect that. I expected that I would, I would just have a club to root for in, in between world cups. Um, but it's become so much more than that. Um, the past several years, Everton has just become a massive part of my life. I mean, that, 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 that's amazing for obviously ourselves to hear because obviously from a young age, we've been attached to the club and been going to the game. Uh, from the age of sort of four, five, six, and you know it's it's been ingrained in ourselves for for many many years. So to hear obviously your story and how you you got to follow the club and how the club has as as dragged you in like it's dragged us all in is is amazing to hear. But you know we we know about how special the the club is and we know uh, how important the club is to to many people as well. And and I, that's a kind of story that I love I love to hear. You know. Football goes goes far and wide. It's it's you know the, the biggest sport in the world for for, for a reason. Um, and and I love that. And the club that's one thing the club does sort of radiates. The, the club is a I feel a, a friendly club and, and open to to all from from all backgrounds, all countries. And that that's it's it's great to hear. What what, what are your thoughts, Lee? Because obviously, like I said, it's different for ourselves, isn't it? But you know, to to have so many international blues and and especially American blues as well. It's it's lovely to hear that kind of story, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was just listening intently to your story then, Jeff. Actually, and I actually love to hear that. I love I love to hear that the fact that obviously, like you said, you weren't quite chosen in that respect, and the fact you weren't like me. You know, I'm probably Mike. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We were like, my dad's like, you're supporting Everton, or you're out the house, and that was it. It's as simple <laughs> as that. Obviously, I, I hope he was in jest, but I, I never I never pushed him on it. But um. But no, it's just great to hear that. Obviously, you've you know you've, the fans have radiated to you. You've ra- radiated towards the fans. They've made you feel so welcome. I would say our club are so 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 good at doing that. They really are. I'd say there's some of the obviously we're bound to say it, but I genuinely think it. There's some of the best fans and most genuine fans in the world. You know what I mean? We follow the club, you know, you know, home and away religiously. When we're in Europe, we take thousands with us. Um, it is a genuinely fantastic football club. You know, obviously, we'd love it in more recent times to be more successful, and we, you know, we we talked about that at length. But genuinely, the love for the club uh, from from us as fans, and, the, and 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 I like to think from the from the club to us as well, is it, it, definitely both ways. So it's great to hear those stories, um, and it's great to see that you know people like Tim Howard, who let's be fair, you know, had a fantastic career, um, and 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 was absolutely idolised, and probably still is in in the states, isn't he? Um, you know, Captain America, basically. I mean, great, great guy. And one of the best ambassadors for Everton that, that we have. I mean, he's, he's willing to go above and beyond to, to expand the support of Everton in America. And, and even when he was a player, I mean, he loved that club. 
know, I, I read his book and he just, the chapter on Everton, the, the love he has for the club and for the fans just jumped mm-hmm. off the pages. I think even if he wasn't American, he would be one of my favorite players because he just, he embraced everything that was what it, what it means to be an Evertonian and he loved playing at Goodison Park and he loved the fans. And he's kind of conveying that now to, um, you know, the potential fans in America uh, by coming over here and kind of, because when he talks about the club, how could you not think, well, hey, what about Everton? Because it's his passion and his love for the club just come, just he's able to convey that so strongly. And it, it's a shame because according to, to recent recent reports, we were due to go over to the States this summer uh, as part of our, our pre-season. We haven't been back there since uh, Roberto Martinez took a team over there uh, in the in a tournament with the likes of Juventus and Real Madrid going back now a, a good a good few years ago to 2013. Um, and I know a lot of American fans have been calling for us to go back over there and, and do a pre-season tour because it would be so well attended with obviously the, the American following that we've got. So unfortunately, circumstances have dictated that we can't go over this pre-season. But obviously, hopefully next year when, when things have, uh, have calmed down, we can get back over there again. And you know we can we can go on on a bit of a bit of a tour and and, and put on a bit of a show for, for our American fans. Yep. Yeah, and Mike coming over to Liverpool. Oh, I'm sorry, coming over to no, Liverpool. Go on. <laughs> coming over to Liverpool just kind of really just solidified the fact that I made the right choice. Um, just spending, I spent eight days in the city, and you encounter so many people that uh, you know, so many blues that are just they're amazed that I would fly across an ocean to see Everton and amazed to hear my passion for Everton. But, uh, but the people are Liverpool of Liverpool are just amazing. Of course, every once in a while you are going to encounter a fan of our neighbors and that's fine. But, uh, but the, uh, quick story, quick story. I'm sitting, sitting at a pub while I'm in Liverpool and there's this old, older gentleman sitting to my left and I say a couple, just a couple of words, and of course he knows I'm American. He asks why I'm in town, and I say, "Well, I'm here for for the match. I'm an Evertonian." And and so he immediately strikes up a conversation because he's a blue. And at one point he looked at me and he kind of with his pointed at me with his this you know bony finger, and he's like serious expression on his face, and he said, he said they they who we know where he's he's who he's talking about. He said they have might have more fans than us they might have more trophies than us. But he said, we are the heart and soul of this city. <laughs> and I'm like, that's my quote. I went, I went to, uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm going home with. That's what I'm going home with. So. Love that. It's, it, Love that. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's true. It's true. And, and, we, and we preach it all the time. Don't we? we preach it all the time. And I'm sure you see it all the time on social media as well, Jeff, you know, um, in regards to you, when you mentioned before about when we, we we win a game with the best thing in the world and everyone's mood is, is right up and but how many times do we see Everton have lost the game weekend ruined, especially if it's the, the early kickoff on a Saturday. Uh everyone's weekend's ruined and and you know, back to work Monday morning with it with a face on. Um but but hopefully brighter days to come. We've we've got the, the right minds are in charge in, in Carlo Ancelotti, who we, we've discussed at length on, on previous podcasts, and the, the fans have taken to him, him really, really, really well. And so important that we that he is backed in the in his first proper proper transfer window, which is coming up. And we're going to discuss that shortly, but unfortunately, we have to look back at a, another poor performance um, against Aston Villa on on Thursday, a game which really, you know, we we, we should be winning that kind of game. A, 
Asadi are in the bottom three. Delegation threat and the chances are they are going to go down as well. And, you know, until a, a late Theo Walcott header, we were, we were losing that game. And, and it was another, another real average or below average showing, wasn't it, Lee? Well, yeah, I mean, we were five minutes away from them doing the double overs, which says it all. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Theo, um, to be fair, it was a lovely header as well. Great finish, great cross, great finish. Um, the only bit of quality we really showed uh, up front in, in the whole game, really. Um, yeah, it, the season's almost petering out. I know we discussed it briefly on the last pod, but it is almost kind of semi-petering out. And, and for me now, uh, the players have... The players showed a bit of a reaction after Seamus's comments and obviously Carlo's comments after the after the Wolves game. That lasted about 15, 20 minutes, and then it sort of it sort of it kind of the game fell into a bit of a counter. We're playing really, really pedestrianised, slow football, and obviously one thing Goodison is 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 renowned for is obviously fast, you know, uh, crowd behind the players, you know, intense football with a lot of emotion, and, and I think we're missing that with an empty Goodison at the minute. But that's not an excuse. You know, the players are good enough to put Villa away. But there's a combination of, of, of as I said, not having anything to play for, season petering out, and also, also be a lack of confidence as well. Um, and the fact that, you know, we've said it a million times, our midfield simply at the minute is just not good enough. Uh, it, it's, it's neither great defensively or, or creative enough going forward either, uh, other than obviously with Gomez. Mike, you mentioned when we spoke, you know, he pushed forward, didn't he, when we conceded? He looked a different player, didn't he? He created a chance for Calvert-Lewin and then he obviously created Walcott's goal. So that shows you what he can do, uh, Andre Gomez, who obviously we were a fan of on the show. But um, yeah, it was a disappointing point overall. Um, but it, like I said, the season's almost kind of like semi-petering out. I think most Evertonians now just can't wait for the new season to start. What, what, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Obviously, Lee mentioned there, the sort of first, say, 10, 15 minutes or so we started the game, we, we were quite bright, and you thought, you know, that there's been a reaction there to, to what the manager and the captain have said. And then, you know, we sort of then went backwards. You went back to that, that sort of slow style. You know, it wasn't particularly uh, free-flowing. Holgate obviously went off as well injured, and, and we saw the introduction of, uh, of Jared Branthwaite again. What, what, what are your thoughts on, on how... The, the season has gone since since those first three games we got seven points and then since then we've really we've really tailed away, haven't we? Yeah, I think we we just look like a team that's completely just completely knackered. Especially Gomes, um, Bernard lacks the quality. Uh, Rich Arlison looks a step slow. DCL's not 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 scoring goals. Um, as a collective unit, we just look and in it's it's a little, it's, it's surprising because coming out of the restart there, there was, there was a quick little um, kind of little spurt of quality there in those first few matches that, that Lester performance was, was outstanding. And, you know, Carlo obviously was preaching the importance of, of uh, qualifying for Europe because he knows how important that is in this transfer window. Um, And it seems like once that, once that was over, um, now you've got guys that are playing out the string and I was being kind of conservative, giving them, I thought they responded for maybe 20 minutes against Villa, but that was it. And then once they conceded, you thought, well, that's, that's, that's it. You saw the body language. Um, 
and they get that one moment of quality, which was very fortunate uh, on the Walcott goal, but it was an undeserved point largely. And that's, that's disappointing because you've got a lot of guys on that pitch that it's, it's very clear that the writing is on the wall for them. And you have other guys who could potentially win, could potentially earn themselves a spot on next year's squad and to see them go out and deliver that kind of performance with, with one of the, the finest manager, if you can't play for Carlo Ancelotti. So it, it, it's, it's, it is disappointing. Um, but, um, yeah, I liked, I liked uh, Seamus's words and, and I like, I like to hear a manager who's holding his players accountable. Um, but yeah, that was, it was very telling. You could, you could point them out on the pitch, the guys that were not, uh, really didn't, uh, care that much to be there, which, uh, as Evertonians is very disappointing. And I, I think you spot a, a couple of points that you made. I mean, we, we tweeted out, um, I think it was last week before the Villa game. Um, if you can't get up for a game for a manager like Carlo Ancelotti, then you will never go for any kind of game. We, we know Europe had, had gone. And like you said, then, Jeff, you know, it was almost as if Europe had gone. We, we put on our, our boat and shoes and, and she, you know, short, and we'll just stroll around the pitch for the for the next eight, four or five games, and that's that's the end of that. And it's like you say, very, very telling. Certain players who are almost auditioning um, to still be at Everton next season, um, and the majority are, are not passing that audition. So you know, it's going to be a difficult market for us to to sort of ship out certain players. It's it's definitely more of a I'd say a buyer's market and a seller's market coming up. We're not going to be getting great transfer fees for, for any player. Um, but, you know, Aston Villa are so limited. They've got a, a bright a bright spark in, in Jack Grealish. And as the game went on, I thought Grealish just took over the whole the whole game. Um, and it all went through him. And once once we sort of gave up gave up that and we lost the midfield battle yet yet again, it was it was the, the writing was on the wall. And like you say, you know the equaliser wasn't deserved. If we, if we lose the game one nil, you'd hold your hand up and say we didn't we didn't deserve to to win the game. But I, I, we we try and be as positive as, as as we can on on the podcast. But sometimes you've got to just say how it is. But what what I'd like to sort of pick up on is I mentioned earlier on Mason Holgate went off. Holgate's probably been well, he has been. Our best sense of half, Def, definitely up there for player of the season for me, um, alongside with Charleston and, and, and Cal Bloom. But he, he went off um, and, and we saw Jared Branthwaite for, for about an hour or so, maybe a bit longer. Um, and I thought he was absolutely exceptionally. I thought, I thought it was. Had... Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go on, you go, mate. You go. I, was just, I I thought he played uh, I thought he played outstanding um, after having uh, coming on in the uh, the previous match and having that uh, a really horrible eight to like twenty seconds on the pitch, um, but uh, yeah he I think he's put himself in the conversation along with Anthony Gordon and along with Mason Holgate as being young players that uh, have emerged this season and and guys that are making a bid to be around next year. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think the young lad came on and did well. <clears throat> I mean, let's not forget, he's just turned 18. He's played nine games for Carlisle in League, in, in league One, um, which is, you know, he's, he's hardly got 50, 60 games under his belt of playing, you know, professional football either. Um, and he's come in and, and, and he looks a physical boy, doesn't he? He's 18, but he, he looks like a man. 
You know, I mean, you, sometimes you, you know, the finger's been pointed at Holgate in the past that I think he's an exceptional footballer, but he, he looks a little, you know, he's a little bit lightweight. He's filled out a little bit now, but when he first came on the scene, he looked a bit a bit light for a centre half, certainly in the English game. But he looks a solid lad. Um, I like the fact he's left-footed. It's always nice to have a left-footed centre back playing, obviously left centre back there. It just opens up the pitch a little bit, you know, when he's when he's feeding it out wide. You know, he came on the pitch and I think within he got given the ball within the first sort of 30 seconds. He sort of shifted out and played it out wide. A lovely ball down the line. Um, I think it was out. To, I think it was out to uh, to Dean or uh, on, on the left side. So, you know, he, he looks he looks a prospect. I mean, you don't want to get too carried away here. You know, he's still only very young, and I still think Carlo will think he's he, we, we, we will still sign a centre half in the summer. Um, we've been linked heavily again with Gabriel this week. He was also a left footed centre half. So I don't think Carlo looks at him and thinks, "Well, that saves me buying someone." potentially in the summer. I don't think he sees he's at that level yet. Maybe we can get him alone, hopefully at a Premier League club where he may get a game or if not, worst case championship. But the early signs are good. The early signs are good. He, he looks like, you know, he's a talent. We've signed him. Remember, Brands has brought him in. We've got a, a decent track record of bringing centre-halves from the lower leagues. You know, we brought John Stones in, made a considerable sum of money from him. The same, obviously, now with Holgate. He looks like he's going to be a player. Carlo really late, uh, rates him. And obviously now, now this boy as well, so yeah, it's, you know, if there was a positive to be taken from the game, that was it. I, I think the this project restarts isn't for everyone and wasn't for everyone when it first the first uh, football first came back. And totally understand it. We we want fans of the game, of course we do. Fans make football, um, but for for some of those younger players who obviously were not in and around the first team squad before before lockdown was upon us. It, it's given the likes of Branthwaite and Anthony Gordon, and to a lesser extent, the likes of Ellis Sims, who's been in and around first team training as well. It's given those kind of players a chance to to feature, which is which is good for their development. But like you touched on early, I think it's really important that what we haven't done in the past with a lot of our younger players, Morgan Feeney's probably the best example. Morgan Feeney has been in the club for many, many years, and he's hung around the under-23s. He's won a couple of league titles with the under-23 for uh, the Premier League 2 and what have you. But in terms of his development, it did not aid his development. He went on loan to Tramia, lasted a couple of games and then was sent back through, through injury and, and has since been released by the club. We've got to use the loan market in terms of outgoing loans to our benefit. Like to Brantwaite, we've seen Lewis Gibson, who went to Fleetwood, has done really well. Whether he comes back in, as a four centre half, we don't know. He might go on loan again. Brantway could really do with it with probably a loan to the championship, so he gets consistent football over the course of the season. We've seen it, it work well with Holgate, and you know we, we were unsure with him whether he could come back and do a job, and, and he's proven proven us all wrong. But we've got to use the loan market correctly for us to to aid the development of our players, because who knows that you know Brantway could could save us 30, 40 million pound if he develops correctly. Um, and and he becomes a regular regular in the side. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Do, do you think that that, that uh, Brantford will be uh, within the squad next season? Or do you think he's going to be shipped out on loan to maybe a Championship side? I, I like the idea of a loan. I think uh, he's going to need to play. It, it depends on what kind of depth we end up having next season. Um, how many players go out? How many come in? Um, but he deserves an opportunity to play, whether that's with, with us or, or somewhere else. 
Um, but it's all about his development. I, I think, as you, as you said, we're, we're looking at him as a player that can help us down the line, not, not a player that, that needs to help us next season. So I think it's, it's all about his development and whatever decision we make needs to keep that in mind. Yeah. I think, I think I mentioned as well in the gas, so Brown three say in the week, it got rave reviews for, for the game against Villa, and rightly so. I thought he was our man of the match when he came on. You, you rewind a few days earlier against Wolves. The first thing he does is, is give away a free kick and he scores from the free kick. And he has a bit of a, a mad few moments. And, and I mentioned this kid is going to be inconsistent. He's going to be great one week. He's going to make mistakes the week after. And what we need to do as a fan base is we need to get behind him, make sure that we aid his development. And that's why I think alone could be could be the, the the right way to go with him. Um but I want to go back to Lee mentioned Andre Gomez and we're we're big fans of Gomez and we we've probably got a bit more patience with Gomez than other Evertonians have I think you know when when he first came in um he's such a cultured footballer um, I think he looked very very good those those first few months under Marco Silva. Um he tailed off I think due to fatigue in his in his first season. He's then come, obviously, this season, suffered an absolutely shocking injury and probably come back quicker than, than people thought that he would. Um, he plays better with legs around him. We've all said that at the moment. We haven't got legs in the midfield. But in the game against Villa, when we were looking for that goal, he did push on and he created, one, the, a really good chance for Calvert-Lewin and then, secondly, putting the ball for, for Walcott for the goal. And I just think that maybe, as a fan base, we need to have more patience with the likes of Anonze Gomez because we know what works for them. We know what he needs around them. And I'm sure that will be addressed in, in the transfer window. What what, what are, you, are you thinking, Lee, about Gomez? Because he's been, he's coming for a lot of flack, hasn't he, recently? He has come in for a lot of flack from, from, from a lot of sections of the fan base. Um, some of it, I think, unjustified, if I'm honest. Um, he's shown enough for me because let's have it right. When we signed him, he was kind of almost like a an add-on to the Mina deal, wasn't he? We went over to get Mina and we came back with a midfielder as well. And none of us knew too much about him. We knew he was a Portuguese international. But when he came into that midfield, after because he was injured when we first signed him, didn't he? And he came, yeah. when he was fit and he came in, we were all like, we've got a player here. Because you can see, look, look, Jeff, you've mentioned you've covered a lot of different sports. I'm a firm believer. I play a lot of sports and that as well. I think you can you can tell a player pretty quickly in most sports whether they can play or not. And he's shown enough for me when he first came in. I mean, he, everyone talked about his game at you know, the infamous Pickford derby where obviously Pickford threw it in his own net. But that first half, he ran the game. He ran the game. He was buccaneering with the ball, holding people off. He was spraying the ball left, spraying the ball right, switching play consistently. You know, he, he was everything we'd want in a midfielder. He's had a horrendous injury earlier on this season. Um, and he's come back, like we said, probably earlier than probably we would have liked him to have come back. You know, um, he's been forced to come back because we are decimated in midfield. And if you were to ask Carlo privately, I bet he would say, look, I'd love to not play him other than a bit of cam- a cameo here and a cameo there in a few games just to get a bit of fitness in his legs. And then we'll give him, a, you know, a half-decent pre-season and get him ready for next season. But, He's had to rush him into the team because he knows he's probably, well, he is by far our best midfielder. Um, so if we do get, you know, we're going to talk on in a second about the likes of uh, new signs in midfield and about Hoiberg, someone like that 
around him who's a tenacious ball winner who just wins it and then gives it to him and say, you do your stuff. I'll, I'll win the ball. I'll give it to you. That's what Andre Gomez is for me. Um, yes, he could probably influence the play a bit, a bit more in the final third, probably get forward a bit more. There is a bit of a disconnect between our forward players in the midfield at the minute because they are a bit isolated. But when he did push on in the last sort of five, five to ten minutes, like you just said then, Mike, he created two really good chances, one of which resulted in a goal and another one, to be fair, to Calvert-Lewin, he should have scored. So, for me, he has been getting a lot of stick and some people saying, do we need him? I think 100% yes is my, is my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm not concerned in the least about Andre Gomez. Um, how many matches did he play in between coming back and the shutdown? Do you guys know? It, it wasn't it wasn't many. I mean, he came on didn't he, against against Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal yeah. was his first his first appearance, and he came on in that game, didn't he? And and he was exceptional. And he, obviously, he was running on on fumes almost and, and adrenaline and things like right. that, and he was getting through the game. But it looked like the cultured Andre Gomez that we were seeing when when he first arrived at the club. It's pretty clear that the this restart it's been it's been difficult on a few of our players, but I don't think it's been as difficult as it's been on Andre Gomes. He's the guy who really just doesn't look physically ready for didn't look physically ready for this season to restart. I think that's fair to say. And that's not a criticism of him. It's not that he didn't do enough during the shutdown to stay fit. It's just a product of he was rushed back from injury out of necessity. He only had a handful of matches under his belt. Then the season gets shut down. Now he's forced to be, again, be an important part of our midfield for these last nine matches and he's just not physically ready for it. I'm not the least bit concerned about him because we know what kind of player he is. We know what his attitude's like. We know he's going to put in the work during the off season. We know he's going to come back ready. Uh, he's committed to this club. And as you said, Lee, with play, with the right players around him, he'll be that much better. Um, of our list of issues, I don't know that Andre Gomes is even on my list of issues to deal with. I, I think he's, he's fine. He's our player. And I think he'll, he'll come back next season and he'll be fit and he'll be ready to go. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there about the games that he played before the, the lockdown. He came on against Arsenal. He then played Man United and Chelsea. And that was that. So we, you look at it right. two and a half games. So, yeah. and it, this is what, what I think people need to understand, you know, yes, he, he's had the same off time from that, that Chelsea game to start starting again. And he's had the same training sessions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, your, your fitness, the, the other players who played the majority of the season have got a, a, a better baseline fitness than Andre Gomez, with or without the lockdown situation. That unfortunately, that, that that's science, and that's just how it is. Um, but we know how well he performed with with Adjusa Gay alongside him. Someone who can is up and down and breaking up play, and then it allowed Andre Gomez to, to play slightly further forward. And I think at the moment. He knows in his own head he's restricted because of the fact that we haven't got the midfielder alongside him that we need. So he's having to play deep. He's having to look for the ball. He's made mistakes. He's given the ball away in, in you know poor areas. But I think he's, he's trying to dictate play from deep, maybe too much, out of necessity as well. And like you say, Jeff, he's not one player that we're going to be looking to replace in the in the transfer window. But 
Sorry, mate, to interrupt. He looks half a yard off it for me. He looks <laughs> half a yard off it. He just looks a little bit. Like he's a bit late in the tackle. He's a bit, you know, he, he looks a bit fatigued. You know, like you know, you know. If, let's say he, he makes a sprint, comes back. That's normally when you're mentally fatigued as well as physically fatigued, and you give away an easy ball. That looks like somebody that's kind of like looks half a yard off the pace, and that's exactly what he looks like to me. Is it down to the injury? We'll never know. You know, we don't know. And some people in some quarters are saying like, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's not quite the same. He's lost that little half a yard he had anyway. We'll never know. I mean, you know, let's let's give him a full, you know, a three-week preseason, whatever we've got. Let's give him a preseason. Let's get him fit. Let's give him some support in midfield. And let's hopefully get the guy back that we know that can, that can, that can play, you know, to a high level of, 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 of footy, really. And he played at a high level in those first three matches after he came back. I I wonder, had the season not gotten shut down, it it could have been a really positive finish to the season for for Andre Gomes. He was playing really well. He was playing good football. And the season got stopped. And it it set him back. There's no question. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, And there's some clubs that have benefited from this lockdown. And we're certainly not one of them. You know, our squad just hasn't been able to cope with you said before, Jeff, we look knackered, and we do. We've had to rely on, essentially, what, 13, 14 players? I mean, to compound the issue, you know, the five sub rules now being extended into next year. We'll have to bring this up on another pod, Mike, but I think it's utterly dis- disgraceful that that's, that's been agreed. That's only going to benefit the teams like your cities, like, you know, even United, who've got those, you know, 18 players City could put out a second eleven and compete for the Premier League. You know that, that that's what we're talking about. It's only going to benefit the teams with the bigger squads. If you are going to do a rule like that, make sure okay, then that two of those players have to, who come on have to be from the youth system. You know, tweak it. You know that that means that young players then will get a chance to play. Otherwise, it's just going to be like the likes of Chelsea are going to hoard players, never really give youngsters a chance, and then you know. Long, you know, the conveyor belt continues, doesn't it, of not bleeding young players? Yeah. The, the thing with that rule that you mentioned, then, yeah, it's being agreed by the rule makers that it will go into next season. However, it is up to the individual leagues whether it is implemented. Um, so at this moment in time, we don't know whether the Premier League will. I fully expect them to do. Um, but so many pundits and experts and you know people who watch the game are saying, listen, it's a nonsense rule. We understand why it was brought in. For you know the remaining games of the season, even then it's a little bit of a, a wind up for me to be honest. Um, but like you said, it only it's only going to benefit those those teams with money to burn. You've got big squads, like you say, Man City. You've got a second eleven who could quite easily challenge for the Premier League if not get get top four. And you know the, these games in the past where you've seen sides who maybe are struggling who get a big win against uh, a, a top top side. They're going to be less and less with with this kind of rule in place, and that's got to be taken away. The drinks break in, in uh, the middle of each half has got to be taken away. You know, there's no need for those rules to be in place for the new the new Premier League season. But like you say, it, it brings us nicely on there. You mentioned obviously the five subs and and squads etc. To the transfer window and and what we're going to be looking at because this uh, in the last couple of days or so it, it's come out through through local media that the the three positions, which I think we were all all aware of already, that we're looking to strengthen our, our centre half, centre midfield, and and also also right wing as well. Um, there's also talk of 
in the last sort of few hours or so, uh, we could be looking at a, another loan for a right back. With so that would suggest that John Joe Kenny will be sold. So DB's going to be going back to Monaco. We're not going to be exercising any kind of uh, purchase of him for for twelve million pounds. Um, but if we look at those those positions, do we feel that outside of those three positions that that we should be looking? Obviously, money money pendant. Uh, we should be looking anywhere else. But what do you think, Jeff? Do you think there's any anywhere else around the the pits that you'd like to see as a address in the transfer window as we can? Well, I, th- I think a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of fans be kind of over overreactionary to to what our needs are. Um, you know, I looked today just to kind of make sure my math was correct that uh, um, Ancelotti has si- since he he came on he's he's uh, we've gotten twenty six points in eighteen matches. Um, that's European football if you break it out over over a full season. He's done that with this group. Um, I think. We just need to give Carlo Ancelotti what he needs um, within the parameters of how our budget looks, within the parameters of financial fair play, um, with our losses. I, I don't know how that math works out. I don't know how much money is available and where the risks are there for us with with our investment in this window. But, you know, I see a lot of fans who are saying we need six or seven players I think we need two or three quality players, and I think we underestimate the impact we're talking about Gomes and what, how he would benefit from a guy like Hober being being here. Um, we underestimate how much better some of our current players would be with better players around them. So I don't think it needs to be addition by subtraction. We've been doing that for years, where it's it's who we get rid of. And it's amazing how often you want to get rid of a guy, get the money and say, well, we'll replace him with one or two players. And you never do. Mm-hmm. You never replace that guy. <laughs> so I think we need depth in the squad. I think we have a few players that that a lot of people want to ship off that I think could be important pieces to to give us some some more depth. We're talking about the five substitution rule. I look at Theo. I look at Iwobi. You know, I don't know. I look at Bernard. You know, I don't. I don't know. So I think I think two or three quality players. Some of the names that have been mentioned. Um, I think those positions would change would change us with the current squad. Um, there's talk about keeper. I don't know. Maybe that's a subject we touch on. But um, yeah, I think I think I'm good with that. I think I'm good with center back, uh, right winger, central midfielder. Um, I like the players that have been mentioned. Um, I'm a little concerned about the finances, but you know, I, I don't know how that math works out, but, um, but I don't think we need a complete overhaul. I really don't. I think this is a core that with two or three significant additions, Carlo Ancelotti can win with. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, Lee? Because let, let's, let's get it right. You know, we've, over since Carlos come in and since big say big dunk obviously uh, took over for a few games as well and we we've got some real decent results along the way you know when we've shown some some real quality along the way as well with the side that we've got bear in mind the players that are in that squad at the moment are not being bought by by Carlo Ancelotti uh, they were bought for a totally different system under a different manager um, sometimes it's it's trying to um, you know, just wedge players into a formation and, you know, seeing if it works, basically. And unfortunately, 
they, you know, the quality throughout the squad isn't there, but there's certainly there's certainly quality in that side. That, like Jeff said, with two or three additions, you know, we we could we could really sort of make a make a move up the table and and obviously look to look to develop on the whole and do better next season. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think Carlos a remarkable job with what he's with what he's had to deal with. Really, um, he's come in. Uh, obviously, you get a bit of the manager bounce. Duncan gave a bit of a you know a, a leg up into that, but um, I think he's done a phenomenal job considering what he, what he's had at his disposal. And, we, and we've had you know a big chunk of the squad decimated with injury as well. I mean, you've got to really feel for Gabamin. I mean, like. You know, there was no doubt on it. You know, he would have definitely had a run in the side during this during this post lockdown part of the season, and then Carlo would have definitely wanted to play him probably alongside Gomez to see whether we can get. You know, is he the guy that can win the ball and give it give it easy and and then let Gomez do his thing? So, yeah, I, I do think going back to your point about the, the they they are the key positions. I would certainly try and get another central midfielder on loan as well. Because otherwise, we're just an injury away from being back to the midfield we've got now. And that would concern me. You know, if we did sign someone like a Hoiberg, you know, and he was to come in and, and unfortunately get an injury like what happened to Gabamin, you know, which can happen, then suddenly we're back to we're back to square one. So, you know, I, I would like to probably get another potential sentiment in there if we can get one. And if that is on a loan, then, then, then so be it. Uh, that, that, that's obviously Brands' job. Uh, definitely a right winger. I think Theo's done all right since he's come back from injury. Uh, he scored the other day. He's looked quite bright. He came on. Uh, okay, the, the age-old thing with Theo is, you know, he's not quite the player he was at Arsenal. His, his goal ratio is nowhere near the same. He doesn't look as as, as much of a goal threat, but he, you know, he has looked reasonably bright. Going back to Jeff's point, he would be a great guy to bring off the bench if we could bring him off the bench. So, so yeah, I, I would certainly if we, if we could get a. I've said it to you, Mike, personally before. If we could get a left-footed right winger. I know we've been linked with the likes of Malcolm and that in the past, and obviously we couldn't quite get him. But someone like a left-footed right winger that can give us a different dimension, come in off that right side and have some shots. You know, similar to what Chelsea have signed with Zayech. I mean, I've said all along, I think that's a great signing. They've, if we get someone of that sort of ilk on the right side and add, hopefully, you know, eight to ten goals a season from that side, that, that would certainly add to our team. Um, the right-back slot's an interesting one. Uh, Sidibe, I thought, showed real flashes when he first came in. He got a, you know quite a few assists, didn't he, in the space of a short amount of games, and he was everything Coleman wasn't going forward really in terms of his final delivery. But Coleman obviously gives us that much more security in terms of his defence. So they've obviously made a decision maybe to move or cash in on John Joe. Um, so again, yeah, uh, a loan move will probably be needed there if we can get one. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. It really will. But I, I do agree with Jeff. I, I think. Add two or three quality players to that team who will get in that first eleven, or certainly push the first eleven. Then I think Carlo's good enough, to, you know, to, to really give us a, a decent season. And I say decent season. I think patience is massively key here. If we don't quite make, you know, Europe, then it shouldn't be deemed as a failure. It's got to be. It's got to be over a period of time. You know, it's got to be given. He's got to be given as as much time as possible to try and build that squad um, and, and, and get us to hopefully where we want to be, which is challenging to the, you know, the top four of the table, really. Um, I, I don't know what you think, Mike. Real... What's your personal opinion, Mike? What's your opinion? I think it's a really good disclaimer in regards to, you know, expectations for next season. If, if we brought in, say, two or three 
players of the age of say 22, 23 of quality, but obviously needed needed time to bed in, need time to develop. And we had a season where we finished say eighth or ninth uh, for argument's sake, didn't quite get Europe. I would accept it. I think that we need to, you know, Jeff, you said earlier on about, you know, we, in terms of like the way we bought in the past, it, you know, it hasn't worked. We 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 fail multiple times with our our recruitment, and we've got to, we've got to do it right. And the way to do it, and the way Brands likes to do it, yeah, he likes to get in a little bit of experience now and again, but he likes to get in those younger players in the in a younger bracket to build them up and to build a squad for many years to come. And that's what we need to need to start to do. Um, a lot is going to depend on on who we ship out. Of course, it is. It is there's a lot of players there who are being mentioned. People have got a lot of opinions on who should stay and who should go. You you, you look at the at the likes of say Tom Davis. Would he would he go? Would he go out out on loan? Does he need that kind of experience? I don't know whether that ship has sailed for Tom Davis in terms of the loan. If he's not going to you know make make the grade, he'd be someone you you would look to to ship out. Fabian Delft should he be anywhere near? Um, the club, we, you know, he's, he's so inconsistent with his injuries, and he had a decent start of the season and then tailed off. Gilfie Sigurdsson, for me, his days are numbered. He was bought for a, a totally different system, and his position is not there anymore. I think Walcott will, will will definitely be kept on as a, a you know off the bench. If we're looking at the right winger, he'll be be coming off the bench. I'll be satisfied with with those three positions filled. Like you said, John Joe Kelly looks like he's going to be on his way. So we're looking at a right back. The names mentioned. They're looking at, at um, it's a Dallow from Man United. The right back has been mentioned today, um, and a kid. I'm just looking up, looking up his name here now. Kenny Tete. We were linked with Kenny Tete a little while ago from Leon um, as potential to come in on loan. So Sadibi's definitely not happening by the sound of things. But it's you know three three players in or four players in and. You know, seven or eight first teamers out. I'll be fairly satisfied. What what do we what do we know about finances? What do we care as fans about finances? Twenty years ago, people weren't sitting there thinking, "Oh, wonder what uh, what's happening with the uh, Evans account at the moment." We didn't care. We we let the experts do what they have to do. Those at the club do what they have to do. They sort all that side of things out. Let's. Carlo said this week he's going to be back. Um, that's that's music music to all our ears. I expect them to be back. I expect us to have a decent window. We've got to have a decent window. And I expect us to improve um, with a, a Carlo Ancelotti mini pre-season and you know, bedding, bedding some of his players in. That's the key thing. It's the first window, really, that Carlo's had. Um, the first time we will look at you know, what his ideas are in terms of personnel. And I think, like you said, Lee, patience is, is an absolute, absolute key of not only this window, but the next probably 18 months or so with this side. We've got to really get on board and, and you know, just relax a little bit and, and trust what the, what the manager is trying to do because we've got one of the best managers in the world, in my eyes, you know, so let's see. Are you hopeful, Jeffrey? Are you hopeful that we can come out of the window in a, in a stronger position than we, than we go into it? Yeah, absolutely. And in... I, I trust because I have absolutely no reason not to trust Carlo Ancelotti um, and the board and Marcel Brands and Moshiri have no reason not to trust Carlo Ancelotti. And I think this is the first time that, I mean, you guys have been fans a lot longer than me, but uh, we haven't had a manager that, that carried this 
this level of respect. And when he speaks, I think there's no reason not to assume that he knows what he's talking about. And I would, I'm sure that he submitted his list of, of what he feels his club's needs are. And I think that list was probably submitted a while ago. Um, He's put in his names. He knows the players he wants. Um, What I'm hopeful of is if the business for once for us, that the business gets done early in the window. Um, We say that all the time, but I think it's particularly important now um, that Carlo Ancelotti gets his players in, gets them in quickly and has the time with them to, get them acclimated to the squad and for the other players to get acclimated with them so that we can hit the the ground running for, for the next season and that we're not getting down to those final weeks or final days or hours, heaven forbid, still looking to bring in um, what we need. Um, but I expect business will get done early in this window. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I'm, I'm, I am confident. Um, I'm concerned about about the players that we need, the money we need to get off the books, and there's still a lot of it. I think that's where my concern is, is how do we get that money off the books to kind of – I'm not concerned about the, what the club is spending. I, I think I'm more concerned about financial fair play and where we kind of stand, and particularly right now with COVID and, and the lost revenues related to that, kind of where we are financially as a club – um, but if we're in good shape, then, you know, let's, let's go get who we need. It's my, it's my, my worry is, I'm sorry, Mike, sorry to interject. My, my worry is slightly, and this is only a slight worry. We need to do everything on our powers to keep hold of the likes of Luca Dean and Richarlison as well, because Luca Dean has come back from uh, lockdown and looked like the player he was last season, who was our best player on the pitch last season. Um, that's a slight worry, weirdly, in the fact that I think is he trying to show something. He's been booked three games in a row as well. He's he's looked a really frustrated figure, Luca Dean, for me the last few games. Um, you're almost kind of saying I, I, I've got to play with these lot. I, I almost feel like you look at the clubs he's played for before us. You look at what he's won: French number one, international left back, and we're coming in potentially twelfth, eleventh in the league. You know, he won't he won't be playing at that level for too long. You know, he's he knows his career is finite. He's in his prime years right now. I can see the likes of Chelsea who need a left back coming in for him. I could even see possibly someone like United who've got Luke Shaw there potentially coming in for him. Um so my my concern slightly there as well is that we've got to do everything we can to keep hold of the likes of Luca Dean and Richarlison as well in this window, as well as obviously trying to bring quality and we've got to keep those those sorts of qualities in the team. I don't I'm, think I'm, I'm as concerned this window with the, but I'm I'm very concerned that if another bottom of the table finish next season, uh, we'll see we'll see a lot of our quality players. Um, I, mean, I think right now everyone's giving Carlo a chance, um, but yeah, that is a concern. That that will indicate where we are, I think, as well. If if we start seeing, you know little murmurings over the, the course of this window, you know, that, that teams are going for Richarlison and, and things like that. And if ever even entertain, you know, those kind of bids for Richarlison or Luca Dean or to a lesser extent, you Mason Holgate and, and people like that, that will tell you where we are financially. If, if the club feels that they need to sell a price asset, which is not, you know, it's as I say, it's going to be a buyer's market. Fees are going to be reduced from what they would have been normally. 
Um, so we 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 would lose out, but that will let you know where we are. And um, hopefully, you know, that's not the case. And that the players who you know are at that higher performance level believe in what Carlo's trying to do. And, and obviously, we 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 do come out of the window a, a lot stronger. It's it's going to be a it's a strange window because it's going to go into next season. It's it's got a ten week window um, after the final game of the season. Um, so we will be kicking off the new season with the window still open. So it's a little bit different to what we've had recently in recent uh, recent times. But like you said, Jeff, hopefully we get our business done that much earlier and we can we can bed the players in and have a, have a decent pre-season so we're, we're good to go for, for the, the, uh, the new season. What What's your guys' thoughts on, I'm interested to see what you guys think of the Hoiberg thing, Link, because obviously it looks like Paul, Paul Joyce has, has come out and released that info. Normally Joyce is very good, uh, very reliable source. So, it looks like we're definitely in for him. It looks like it's us and potentially Spurs. Um, Spurs may well nick it in the fact they've got Walker Peters, aren't they, on loan at the minute. They might look at a swap deal there. The fact that he's already in the South, you know, and the pull of London and things like that. But, you know, if we did pull it off and brought him in, what's your thoughts? Because for me, it doesn't jump out at you as a fan, does it, going, oh, what a signing that would be. But then we never thought that about Adrissa Gay, and then he went on to be one of our best players for a short period. So, you know, looking looking at the stats here, forward passes from our midfield this season: Gilfie Sigurdsson, three hundred and four; Tom Davis, two hundred and eighty-four; Andre Gomez, one hundred and eighty-nine, albeit mitigated by the fact he was out for a big chunk of that; Alex Iwobi, one seventy-seven. Morgan Schneiderlin, 177. Hoiberg at Southampton, 667. <laughs> so, you know, that's more than double Sigurdsson's, you know, who's our highest performer in that area. So, when you see stats like that, you know, initially I was a bit sceptical thinking, is that what we need? But then you see things like that, and I know Southampton play a high-pressing, you know, forward-thinking, attacking style of football, but that, is that what we need in there? Someone who can win it and not just give it like Schneider doesn't get it back and play the easy pass, but also be progressive with it as well. Jeff, I think you he makes, yeah, I think he makes, I think he makes everyone around him better. And we talked about the impact that a player like that would have on Andre Gomes. Um, I think 18 million is what they're, the report. Um, I don't know. Do, do we need to get into a bidding war with Spurs? Um, I know Carlo's probably a draw. Carlo really, really highly rates him. Uh, he really likes him as a player. So we know that Carlo is, um, you know, is, is really wants to bring him in. Um, if he really wants Champions League football, probably feels like he gets that quicker uh, at Spurs. Um, I don't know if that's a that's going to be a big draw for him or not, but. Uh, he's he's a player that I think would make everyone else around him better. Uh, so if I if I'm going to get in a bidding war for a player in this window, I think he's I think he's one of them for me. Yeah, I mean he, he, he's 24 years of age. Um, he spent some time at Bayern Munich. Um, he, he's massively liked um, by obviously Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti. Um, like lately, like he said it doesn't jump off the page. You know when you when you saw the the link to him, you, you think. Mm, we really need that kind of player. Um, we always go back to it. You say, "Gay, you know, we we got him for such a, a bargain price from Aston Villa, um, and you know, he was absolutely great for the time he was he was at the club for for those 
those three seasons or so. So it's one of them. If if the manager fancies him, I'm all in. You know, if, if we think that we can get him, then then go and get him. Let let let's be honest. Him in the midfield now improves the midfield, and um, and we play better with Hoiberg in centre mid than we would do with say Tom Davis next to Andre Gomez. And that that's what what for me you got to look at. He's he's a he's a strong physical fella, room to grow, room to develop. The right age, the the, the right age bracket for for Marcel Brand as well, and someone who will who will hopefully only get better. So it's a case of trust for me. If you trust what the manager's trying to do, then you, you trust he's going to bring in the right the right personnel to fit into his system and 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 our club. Um, but. But that's that's obviously quite a quite a bit in in the future. Uh, hopefully we can we can tie a few signings down early doors. But we, before we wrap up this this week's week's show, let's have a have a look ahead. We've got a two games left. Um, we play Monday night Sheffield United um, at Bramall Lane, and then obviously we've got Bournemouth last game of the season at, at Goodison Park. We touch on Sheffield United first of all, a side that has really done well this season. You know, to come up. To be fighting for Europe, the, although they're a little bit as if now by by four points or so um, after Spurs beating Leicester, they're still really in the in the mix for for Europe. Um, and it's they're a side who beat us a good at some park earlier in the season, and a side who I unfortunately expect will cause us quite a number of issues. Lee. Yeah, we, we we talked about this briefly last week, didn't we? Or I did. <laughs> I thought it was actually going to fall under this week's fixtures. Um, um, yeah, they've they've come back. They, they struggled initially when they first came back, and everyone was coming out with teams have worked them out now. Teams have worked them out, but they've bounced back, and 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 they've had some great results at home. They beat Chelsea at home quite comfortably. Um, they beat Tottenham, didn't they as well? Um, so, so for me. It won't be any. I mean, it's the last fixture you want now. A team that's going to give 120 percent, everything, throw the kitchen sink at it. They've still got a shout of Europe, you know. So it's just like the last fixture you want, really, isn't it, for us at the minute? Because you know, you know, they're going to probably outcompete us. Um, and the fragility we've shown, uh, particularly in the middle of the park recently, um, I'm not holding much hopes out for us in the game. Um, but strange things have happened, you know. As we said, as we said before, you know, some of these players now are now playing for their places with Carlo for, for, for next season and the season after that. So, will some of them step up? Let's hope so. Um, Calvert Lewin's due a goal. Um, he's not. He's not quite been the same player since he's come back. He's not quite bullied defenders as much. He's not been running the channels as much. That's partly because of the lack of service as well. Although, you know, he missed a sitter, didn't he? The other day, as, as, I, as I talked about before, I mean, you should be scoring that, really. Um, so, we'll, so, we'll see what happens. But Jeff alluded to it before. I mean, Richarlison, who's arguably our, our best player, certainly going forward, he looks he looks absolutely goose, doesn't he? He looks, he looks shattered as well. And he's the sort of guy, again, who looks frustrated. You know, he, he got, he got, he, he's getting kicked all over the pitch. He got kicked the other day and he ran straight after the guy and took him out. You know, that's just a sign of frustration. If you look at the stats, he's dropping into midfield more and more and more to try and get on the ball because that's the type of player he is. As I said last week in a bit of a mini rant, um, he, he just hates losing. You can see it. You can see it in him. He just hates losing. 
um, and whether that's a, a friendly or a, a game, you know, that, that actually counts as something. So, without trying to sound pessimistic, because normally, as I said, I'm pretty pretty optimistic. I'd be happy with a point. And if you'd have asked me that question at the start of the season, would you be happy a point against Sheffield United? I probably would have laughed at you. So that shows that shows where we are at the minute. Well, I, I can't say enough about the job that Chris Wilder has done with his club. Um, you know, it's interesting. You look at that, you look at that club. Is there any player on that roster that jumps off the page to you? I mean, they have a couple decent quality players, but they they don't. And it honestly, it it as an Evertonian, it pains me to see Sheffield and and Wolves week after week produce. It, it, it just a tremendous effort for their manager and and to see them sitting where they are in the table and where we are um it it just that that's just very it's very disappointing but he's done a tremendous job um just just getting that club to deliver um a consistent effort every week and and get the results um but we'll see uh, again. I just, I just want to see us see out the season in the right way. Um, I'll be really disappointed if the, we see another effort like we've seen the past couple of matches, because if we do, it'll be another, this will be another three now. Yeah. But we, we keep on talking about obviously reactions and, and showing a bit of fight and spirit on, on the pitch and, and things like that. And, like we said before, we had, we had a mini reaction for 10 or 15 minutes against, uh, against Aston Billigan. Going into this game against the side that will will be in your face from the off, it, you know it, it it just doesn't bode particularly well for, in in my opinion. Go, going into the game, I mean, if you look at the, the side that they've got, just to give you an example of some of those names: Chris Basham, David McGoldrick, Ollie McBurney, uh, Ender Stevens, uh, Jack O'Connell, p- people like that. And you think to yourself, well, you know, start of the season. They're getting nowhere near an Everton side, you know, getting absolutely nowhere near. When I remember when they came to Goodison, um, I was sitting in the main stand and I just thought, yeah, we, we'll turn these over today, no, no problem at all. And they literally just just did us with, with sheer efforts. We, we huffed and puffed a little bit, but we had absolutely no answer. Um, and I just don't see how we're going to go there and you know, come away with, with anything other than, than a defeat. And it's it's such a shame to say that. But that's unfortunately where we are in terms of what our thoughts are on, on the current players and, and how they, they seem to be to be approaching games. And like I've said, you know, this is an audition for many players here. If you want to stay at this club and, and you want to show that you can be an asset to to a Carlo Ancelotti side, then you leave it out on the pitch. You've got two games to show it. Um, but I don't think we're going to have enough to beat them. I think we're going to see, judging by what Carlo was saying in, in his press conference, Moise Keane could be in from the off. Um, he seems to want to give him give him a, a start, and you could take out either a Charleston or Calvert Lewin in regards to it's it's who's the the most fatigued out of the two of those players for me. Um, so it won't do any harm starting Moise Keane. He just needs to get his head up a little bit because when he does come on, he seems to just want to drive drive towards goal with the ball, beat two or three men, and get a shot off and. You know, we've got to look around them, see who's coming in, bring bring the wingers in, and and go from there. But um, let's see. You know, stranger things have happened. Um, we've got quality on our side, whether we're showing it or not. But I'm not sure whether we can come away with anything other than than a defeat. Um, 
Jeff, if, if it comes to your first for a prediction, if I may, what, what are your thoughts in terms of how it's going to end up? Well, I'm, I'm anticipating, I'm anticipating two nil. I'm, I'm anticipating a two nil defeat, but uh, I am, I would like to see Keane over 90 minutes uh, just to see how he approaches that versus being that super sub where he feels like he needs to come in and make that immediate impact or, or, or find a goal right away. And I'd like to see him start a match and, and see what he can do over a full 90 minutes, especially since he's going to have, he's not going to have the, the fatigue that we're seeing from DCL and Rich Arlison. Um, I'm also curious why he's not gotten the opportunity to this point, but again, I, I trust the manager. We don't see training and typically when you see a, you know, a kid, especially a young player uh, that has the quality that he has not getting playing time. A lot of times it's because he's not doing what he needs to do during the week. But um, yeah, I'd like to see him come on and who knows, maybe he can make a difference, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a two nil defeat. Late. I hate to say it, Jeff, I agree with you. I think um, I don't very often come on here and say, I think we're going to lose. Um, and it's quite depressing to say it, but you also got to be realistic. Um, and I do think, <clears throat> as I said before, I think they'll have too much for us. Just purely, not necessarily man for man on the pitch in terms of, you know, are we technically probably better than them? Probably yes. But one thing they, you guarantee from Chef United every week under this manager is that they will compete and they will compete and they will compete. And that's why they are where they are. Um, they've got a certain way of playing. Certain teams have struggled. You know, have we really figured out how they how they play? Maybe they'll get figured out a bit more next season. But you, you've got to give them massive credit. You've got to give Wilder massive credit. And I also love the way he speaks. I love how honest he is in his interviews. I love, you know, if if he says they haven't turned up and not turned up, you know, he'll 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 literally he'll point the finger. And he'll tell it. He'll tell it straight. And I quite like him for that. Uh, and I think he's won a lot of fans. Uh, amongst other fans of other clubs for the way the way he is so straight talking. So Keane's an interesting one. Um, I just don't think he's shown enough. I really don't. I know he scored against Newcastle in that game and I think the fans pretty much helped him, you know, almost sucked that one in for him because they obviously, you know, he, he was reacting to them and then they, they, you know, they were reacting to him. Um if you're going to be really brutally honest, I think he's been a disappointment this season. He came in with a real bit of pedigree as a young, hot, hot talent across Europe. You, you know, and I just think you watch him play. I don't know, uh, the only thing I can give an example of, you watch like Greenwood, who's come in at United recently, similar age. Okay, he's played English football throughout his whole career, so that helps. But Greenwood just looks like he's got talent. He looks like he's got pedigree, doesn't he? You know, he's shown in little flashes thinking he scored against us. He came on at, sorry, at Old Trafford when you know it looked like we were going to win the game 1-0. He came on and he, and he scored the equaliser. And at the time, I was like, who's this kid at United? You know, he didn't really get a look in after that. And then since the lockdown, he's just looked, he's just looked a real, real talented player, talented boy. And I just I just worry about Keane. I just, I just don't know whether the, the Premier League's too quick for him. So many players struggle coming from Serie A in Italy to here just because the speed of the game is so different um, and you know, don't get me wrong I hope it works out for him and Carlo's already said isn't he we're definitely having him next season so he obviously wants to have a look at him but I think he probably knows deep down that he might not be quite good enough 
to play in this type of league. You know, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to Italy and scored 20 goals for someone like an AC Milan or something like that because that's what he's used to. I think with Moise Keane, you know, his attitude has been questioned at times. You saw what happened at Old Trafford when he was brought on and then taken off again under Duncan Ferguson and the big dunk didn't look at him and all wasn't well at that particular time. You know, you see him over the course of lockdown having a party in his house and, you know, things like that. And again, you question the lad's maturity. He's you know, 20 years of age, so... You know, it's difficult for him to be in a, in a different country. And, you know, you, you take all that on board. And, you know, I, I hope it really does work out for him. I really do. We've seen flashes at times where he's done something really nice. and But then he, he makes it difficult for himself. And, you know, he, he tries to do, to do too much and loses the ball. And as I say, it's all, it's all decision-making and it's, it's experience. And the only way he's going to learn in this country, uh, in the Premier League, is to play, play more play from the off and, and give him some responsibility. So hopefully Carlo does that for, for the Sheffield United game. Um, as I say, I can't see it being enough. Um, I think that such a well-organised side, such a well-drilled side, against a side like ourselves who are a little bit flat, fighting for absolutely nothing. Did I say fat then? I meant flat. <laughs> uh, fighting for, for nothing at all. Um, so... Yeah, I think we're going to lose the game 1-0. I, I think it'll be a typical, you know, they'll probably score mid, midway through the second half and, and we'll have, have no response, unfortunately. Um, but look, just looking further ahead, very, very, very briefly, we, we round it, this very, very strange season off against Bournemouth at Goodison Park uh, a good, you know, two, two and a half months later than we, than we should have done. Um, Bournemouth, uh, again, defeated again. Uh, when they play today against Southampton. They've got um, one game left, which is against us, to save themselves. Look at the goal difference, minus 27. Uh, Watford do a 17th, 34 points, minus 23. So they're three points clear of, of Bournemouth. It's a big ask for Bournemouth, you know, depending on what, on what Watford do as well in their next game, whether they're going to be coming to Goodison Park and they're actually, one, going to be able to, to get out of the relegation uh, zone or two, they're going to be relegated. So it could be an absolutely nothing game, a total dead rubber, or it could be something on the game. But what 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 are our thoughts on that? You know, Bournemouth for me aren't a particularly bad side. You know, pretty well drilled over the years under under Eddie Howe, but it hasn't been their season, has it? And it's it's almost as if they've been found out, and and the way that they play football. Uh, is almost, I think, aged over this season. What, what are your thoughts, Jeff, on, on Bournemouth and, and their predicaments at the moment? Well, it's interesting, speaking of managers, it wasn't long ago that Eddie Howe was one of the up-and-coming managers in England, right? And uh, now his his club is is on the verge of the drop. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen too much of them this year, but, uh, but yeah, they weren't a club that I thought would be in the position they're in this season. I expected them to be um, somewhere around, you know, mid table, low to mid table. Um, but uh, I didn't expect them to get um, to be in the position they are below Watford, below West Ham. Um, have they had a lot of injuries or is it just been inconsistent play? Because they they were always they were they've been tough on us and they're in their time. We've we've had some difficult matches against Bournemouth. Um, but it seems like at some point this season things just went off the rails for them and they they haven't been able to recover. 
Yeah, the the other for me it was a, it's a Brooks. He's he's a real real talented player, and he had quite a long, quite a lengthy injury. Wilson's had his problems over the course of the season. Josh King's had his problems over the course of the season. Uh, Ryan Fraser, and then obviously since the season restarted, he's already left the club. He he didn't play for them uh, when his contract was up at the end of the end of June, um, so he wasn't considered. So they've they've got a few half decent players there, I think, but. It, it's the one of those sides. Yeah, the I mean they beat us near the start of the season. Uh, we went there and 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 got beaten. And they they've taken points off us quite regularly over over the time in the Premier League. But it's 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 strange because Eddie Howe was linked with the Everton manager's job when uh, Marco Silva left. So again, you know, it's 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 funny how things how things work out. But what 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 do you think, Lee, in terms of the, in terms of the game on Bournemouth? You know. If, it, if it's a sort of dead rubber, it's neither here nor there. But if, say, just for argument's sake, they come into the game and they've got a, a fighting chance, to, you know, if they, if they win the game, they can get out of it. Do you, do you think we can we can obviously uh, take them on and, and, and beat them on the on the day? It's hard, to, <clears throat> it's hard to say, mate, because, you know, if Watford go in the next game now and they're playing City, and City could, you know, they, they've, they've beaten... Uh, a lot of teams, four or five nil, certainly lesser teams. Suddenly, Bournemouth have a better goal difference, don't they? So they come and then play us, um, and you know, all of a sudden they'll have something to play for because you know the goal difference could well be even by the end of the City game. So it's hard to say. I've always liked Bournemouth. I've always liked them. I like the way they play. I like the way they, they, they they've stuck to their principles. Eddie Howe's done a phenomenal job there, taking them from the lower leagues right the way through to the Premiership. Everyone wrote them off when they came to the Premiership because they played open, expansive football. Pretty much like Norwich have tried this season. And obviously, they're going down straight away. But I respect the fact that he's tried to play that way. Arguably, you'd say, with obviously lesser players. And they've had a great run in the Premier League. They've still got an outside chance to stay up. And I do, you know, I do actually hope they stay up. Eddie Howe's a big Everton fan as well. And, he, and, he, and he's fundamentally a great guy, isn't he? he, he you know, he, I always like it when he speaks. You know, he, He's one of you know football's good people, um, and you can see why how he's got you know what the success he really has had at Bournemouth um, with the squad he's got with you know with with the facilities they've got. Let's be honest, I think they only still got what is it eight ten thousand seat stadium. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's the smallest ground ever in Premier League history. It's a real real small ground, isn't it? Exactly, you've got to give him massive. Every time they stay up, and they have stayed up for most seasons, you know the last few seasons. You've got to give massive credit. That's a result, um, and they will get if they do go down. They will get picked off. You've mentioned David Brooks, ex City. He looks a really good player. The likes of Josh King, people like that. Um, obviously Nathan Ake. I mean, he's been heavily linked, doesn't he, with the likes of Chelsea and and, and other clubs. He's a really good player. Um, so you know, it's hard to say at the minute without seeing how the City Watford game goes. But if City bounce back after the defeat of the weekend, which I think they will, by the way, because Pep won't stand it. They could easily put Watford four or five nil away and then suddenly Bournemouth come to our ground with a with a renewed tenacity, don't they? I I I agree. And I that that Watford City game is is so pivotal. They they could quite easily ship a load of goals. Bear in mind he just sat Nigel Pearson, which is absolutely bizarre with two games to go. When he took over they were what, seven, eight points of drift. Um, he's done done a real decent job there. Um, you know, beat Liverpool uh, just before the lockdown quite comfortably. They put in some really good performances, and I've got, a, I think, a half decent side. Watford, 
just sack the manager at this particular point. It's so strange. Now, that works one or two ways, doesn't it? If the players aren't all on board with it, with them being sacked, then team morale is right down. You know, they don't welcome sort of a new manager against at the side. And, you know, they, they could be 10 over by City. They could have a worse goal difference by um, than, than Bournemouth before the final game of the season. And Bournemouth thinking, hang on, Nick will be in a good park here. We, we could be out of this. Um, so we just never know. I've, I've got a feeling they, there will be something on the game. I really do. I do think Bournemouth will have a chance. If they win, they, they could get out of it. Uh, Watford, I think, by the way, Mike, as well. Sorry to interrupt. Watford have got Arsenal as well. Exactly. Ars- Ars- so the last game of the season. And Arsenal are arguably probably that one of the most informed teams. They've just beaten City and they've just beaten Liverpool. And Arteta, yeah. I've said it to you before, mate, Arteta, you can clearly see the guy has completely, you know, transformed, not not wholesale, but he's made them a lot more of a sterner outfit. And that goal they scored yesterday against City, that first goal, what a goal that was. So, you know, and he hasn't got any of his own players yet, has he? So he's done a great job, Arteta, because obviously we were heavily linked with him as well. He's done a phenomenal job since he's gone in there. I fancy Arsenal to beat them, um, you know, last game of the season as well. So really, Bournemouth could come to us going, look, we beat these, we stay up. And, and that comes to a side like us with, with absolutely nothing at all to, to play for. So it's, you know, it could be a really tough game. Um, but I, I think, I do think on the day, regardless of what happens, if Bournemouth have got to come and play and have got to got to win the game because they can stay up, they will leave gaps. And another side for me who are especially fantastic, um, you know, in terms of de- defensively, yet the, you know, I hate a decent player, but I don't I don't think they're a great defensive side. I think we'll win the game on a day. I think it'll be, it'll be a two-one for us. I think we'll finish the season on a, a bit of a high. And it's it's important to do so, you know. A, a real small pre-season, a really small break in between this season and next season. So you can get a win, you know, in the last game of the season and take that into next season. Then, then fantastic. Um, a fancy cavalry will we'll break his duck in that in that game, uh, man. And I think if Moise Keane gets a bit of a go, I think I can see Keane scoring before before uh, the season's over as well. But what are your thoughts, Jeff? What's your your thoughts on the on the score on the day? Uh, I think we'll uh, I think we'll come away. I was going to go two one as well. I think we'll we'll break their their hearts with a with a goal <laughs> off a off a counter uh, late in that one. Um, I think it'll be a tight match, a very competitive match. But I think we'll come away with a two one win. Um, you you mentioned Nigel Pearson real quick. Uh, I saw this earlier today on Twitter that Nigel Pearson has the best win rate, thirty five percent, and the best points per game ratio, one point two five, of any Watford manager in Premier League history, it says. So they just sacked him because, you know, that wasn't good enough for them. So <laughs> such a strange, such a strange something, something's gone on yeah, there. Yeah. Something has definitely gone on there. Nigel's not he's not known for mincing his words. Something's happened there. I mean yeah. they've sacked they've sacked so many managers over the years, haven't they? They've got volatile owners, haven't they? So um, you saw you saw all the rigmarole they caused with the Marco Silva thing as well. Um, so yeah, that 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 stat is crazy. That stat is yeah. crazy. I mean, especially with two two games to go as well. Someone and I love David before. Moyes. Love David Moyes. I I do. But who who 
who didn't want to see championship football being played in London Stadium next year? Well, well yeah. <laughs> West, West Ham you, you need, you need Pete here. here. You need Pete here. He hates West Ham. Yeah. He hates <laughs> West Ham. He does. Well, someone said before, if, if Watford rehire Marco Silva, do we get our compensation money back? I would, listen, with the transfer, transfer window coming off, that could, that could, really, could really be handy going into the window couldn't they get the few million quid back off Watford. Um but I don't think Marco Silva will be will be the man somehow to to go back uh, to Watford. But they've been there before they they brought managers back uh, with Flores who obviously recently came back before his second so so who knows. Lee if they do go down by the way if they do go down I want us to get Decore. Well who knows? He's definitely he definitely fits the bill. Definitely fits the bill for us for someone with legs in midfield and would definitely be an asset and would 100% improve our midfield, that's for sure. What, what, what are your thoughts on the on the, uh, the result, Lee? On the Bournemouth one, it's hard to say, like I said, it all depends on the Watford, you know, because if, if Watford do out somehow manage to get a point in that game, then obviously Bournemouth are down, aren't they? So, um, it all depends on that. But if they, if they don't, which you'd expect they wouldn't, then I would say... Uh, I could, I, we could we could quite well see a goal fest. We've always had goal fest with them. You know, we've had some great games over the years, three yeah. threes, things like that. Um, it could well go come down to that because they're going to have to come there and have a go. They play open, sort of expansive football anyway. We could end up seeing a goal fest. It could actually be one of the best best last games of the season <laughs> to watch. Um, so, but weirdly, in a weird way, like I said, I'd almost I I, I would like them to stay up. I I, I do like Eddie Howe, so. I would prefer them to stay up than Watford, put it that way. So, so you're going for the I'm going to go 3 3. <laughs> Stick a tenner on that at 30 to 1. <laughs> definitely, most definitely. Who's scoring, Lee? Um, I think, yeah, I do, I do think Calvert Lewin will get one. Uh, I think Luca Dean will get one. I can see him bending in a free kick. And then. Um, I'd love Leighton Baines to get one. Leighton, Leighton, on, Leighton coming on, taking a penalty, scoring it, scoring his, uh, scoring, scoring from a pen. Uh, it could well be his last game as well. He still hasn't signed that contract, does he? So no, not so now. What not so now? So we can... Perez. So we'll see. Let's hope, let's hope he does sign that contract. But if he doesn't, um, one of the best players we've had in the last 20, 30 years, easily. If he doesn't sign the contract, it leaves us with another headache in the uh, in the summer transfer window, doesn't it? Which we could do without. Um, but hopefully, Leighton Baines does put pen to paper and 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 signs a deal. Jeff, absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you. Thank you. You can now go and have your uh, have your dinner, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 get this out and then I'll, I'll be going to bed. As, as will Lee, I'm sure. Um, awesome. Well, again, re- really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week uh, to look back at the, the Bournemouth and Sheffield United games as the season comes to a close in the, at the end of July. Um, so we will, we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.